0: hello and welcome to the second episode of the ember island critics podcast thank you so much for clicking i hope you enjoy the next hour and a half you spend with me and my friends in today's episode we'll discuss the tank and overwhelming fan favorite Toph, past present and future A quick disclaimer before we start, opinions ahead! As well as headcanons and theories, and of course, spoilers, among an array of other things that you may not agree with, but are fortunately not facts you must accept. If anything said grows to be too much, I give you full permission to close this podcast and act as though it never existed. Whether you agree or disagree, any frustration you experience should not be taken out on me or my collaborators. We are human just the same as you are. We gather to discuss something we love dearly, but not without new lenses of criticism we've developed since we were younger. With that, I welcome you to listen in on The Ember Island Critics. So hello, I'm Yanni again. She, her, or they, them? I'm ready to fucking party.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Zach. Uh, he, him pronouns. Raquel, is it Rachel? I don't know, sorry. <laughs> it's, um, Rachel.
2: it's Rachel.
1: Okay.
2: Um,
3: she, her, <laughs> hey, it's Roxy. She, her, hers. What's up?
4: Hello, Ali, Ah, uh, he they. And is that everyone?
0: That's no. uh, Kaylee. There's <laughs> uh, <laughs> six of us. And you're like, you know what? We're done. <laughs> Kaylee, Kaylee, that note was for- so quick.
5: <laughs> How could you forget about your grandmother, Ollie?
0: Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh, the disrespect in this chili tonight. I know. <laughs>
5: Anyways, hi, I'm <laughs> Kiwi, uh, I use she, her, hers pronouns, I'm not actually Ollie's grandmother, we've played grandmother and grandson in a show once, so there, and I'm excited.
4: They would have totally believed it if she had left. <laughs> we're just gonna I give don't look that old.
0: So we're going to start this off as we did with the Suki episode, with first impressions, because boy oh boy did she make one. I'm trying to think about how it was when I saw her for the first time when I was little. I think I was just excited to see someone just like be a shit starter and fully like admit to being a shit starter. Cause Katara and Aang absolutely were, but they wanted to act like they weren't. Um, But Toph was like, no, I've come here to wreck shit. How about you?
5: (laughs) I watched the show when I was like six or seven. So I can't remember what my first impression of her was, but I'm going to think on that. See if I can think of something,
4: I think. The first time I saw her, I was like confused because I was wondering what her, what she was gonna mean in terms of like, ah, uh, Ang, And so, because I'm talking about the swamp episode, not mm. like,
0: you know, her act. Oh, yeah, that was like her first, first impression. Yeah, I think, well, I think, yeah, that would probably be the, the first impression. That's an interesting contrast, though, because we see this, like, giggling little girl in, like, a white dress, and you think it's going to be someone, like, delicate and protectable, but no. No, no. (laughs) Yeah,
2: because I watched the show for the first time, like, this year, right? And so I had seen, like, memes and posts about all of it, but, like, you know, in the Swamp episode, I'm like, hey, well, I think that's tough, but, like, that's all, that's a princess. That's not, like, the metal bender that I like understand that is, you know what I mean? So I was like very confused.
1: I'm a sucker for like prophecies and like foreshadowing and then like when it comes to fruition that's always super exciting from a narrative standpoint. So I remember that being really exciting that you like get a glimpse of this and there's like infinite possibilities of like, who is this? How are they going to relate to the story? And then she becomes like one of the pivotal characters in the series that I remember was super exciting as a kid. Um, and then just the general badassery of like this blind, little blind girl who's like a badass earthbender was super exciting.
0: Absolutely. Let's see. Toph is itty bitty and 12. Oh, that's one of the things. Like when we first uh, see her in the Earth Rumble match, she, it's like pointedly juxtaposed that like the grown women next to her are like, adult adult and she is teeny tiny and like the <laughs> earth rumble belt is like the size of her entire torso which is also just something to note and like whenever we see the kids next to other adults we're like oh shit these are children but Toph looks particularly small you know what like...
1: to me was like the only one that like registered as a child yeah everyone else I, I genuinely didn't know that they were like especially the fire nation teens yeah like like, I didn't know that Zuko was only 16. I figured he was, like, 18 or 20 or something. Yeah. Azula, I did not know, was 14. Absolutely not. Um, See, like, but Toph was the only one that registered, like, as a child to me.
0: <laughs> what was that, Roxy?
3: Oh, I was like, look at what good nutrition can do. All the Fire Nation kids have grown. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, Katara and Sokka are skinny. Yeah. And there are plenty of jokes made about Sokka being skinny, but when you think about why he's skinny, it's kind of sad. Um,
3: I don't know. I instantly, like when I was watching it because I also watched it this year and I was like oh my gosh like daredevil I was like okay so you have like two different identities like the one sweet innocent side that would be your day-to-day and then like the badass side that like like kicks people and like ask no questions <laughs>
4: yeah I always but, wondered yeah. how long she was actually doing that like she was already mm-hmm. so she was already kind of young so like when did she master earthbending and then when, or did she experience, did she like master it in the ring? Like was there a point where the blind bandit was like kind of getting trashed?
0: Yeah. I always wonder like, like I know it's an underground earthbending ring and thus like it's not regulated in any capacity, but I have to wonder like who let a 10 year old into the ring? Who thought that was a good idea?
2: <laughs> Toph? <Talk>.
0: Right. <laughs> Like a really small ten year old, like what 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 is his name? Shin Fu, the dude who runs it. Yeah, yeah. Like what is like? There's a legal, and then there's just like throwing ethics straight out the window. I just have questions about that. <laughs>
3: um, I mean, I when your at- a deal made, because like she had to have been practicing somewhere, and you can't exactly like break your house in half when your
0: parents are home, so. Also when they think you're the most fragile thing.
1: Because didn't she learn earthbending directly from... The badger moles. moles. Like,
0: she would just run away on a regular basis and land in a cave, and then the badger moles would be like, hey, she's back.
1: Yeah, I think that's what they were implying. I think she, like, would regularly visit the badger moles, and that's where she learned how to do it.
0: I think, I wonder, like, because the badger moles don't really use their earthbending to fight, per se, like, in the capacity that humans do. Right. So there would be a different tact that she would have to be developing somewhere. And I would imagine she didn't just roll up and become Earth Rumble champion. Like, she had to lose a couple times. But there's not a lot of, like, exploring Toph prior to her mastery of her bending element, which is, like, chill. But it also, like, sets her up for this idea that she is completely, you know, self-assured and a fully developed human being when she's not. 12 still. And, like, the certain insecurities that we get a glimpse of are like kind of treated as things that she'll just get over but it's kind of like well what if she didn't that could that be explored more uh but what were you gonna say kaylee i was gonna talk
5: about the ethics thing i was just gonna mention that i think when money's on the table for some people ethics fly out the window especially in one of these like earth kingdoms that aren't bossing say not necessarily like badly, i mean even bossing say yeah but like it's, it's like one of the outer earth king, like not earth kingdoms, earth like villages. And I don't know how well off they are, but again, you know, poverty levels, some people get desperate.
0: Yeah. And like how much, mm-hmm. apparently the Beifongs are like one of the richest people in the earth kingdom period. So I wonder like, what does that mean for the wealth elsewhere? Um, Yeah. So we're going to go on to my next favorite segment, like best moments, because my absolute favorite all time tough moment of the entire thing is the earth king it's like in the earth king when they're like doing the um raid on the earth kingdom palace and she just goes buck wild the entire time like she's and when she when she flattens out the stairs and it's i love that's my favorite action sequence in the whole show. I love Toph so much. And then like as they're going through and ta- Sokka's trying to figure out which room the Earth King is in, you just see bodies flying behind him the entire time. And it's like, wow, when she's in her element, there is no topping her at all.
5: I think my favorite Toph moment was her discovery of metal bending, like being in that kind of ice, like, like, it wasn't like it was a big show of strength, like she usually does when she's fighting. It was her trying to figure out a way, in, like a way out of a situation and then being really clever with it and then inventing a whole new form of bending, like that whole sequence, just like, as a kid, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And even today, I'm like, that's still so incredible to me that she figured that out on her own.
4: Revolutionary. It was a really- A little bit room. of iron knowledge too, because I, I think, I, I thought I remember the other sequence with Ira talking about the elements being like um, a part of one whole with Zuko and how he Mm -hmm. borrowed kind of techniques. So I feel like, you know, kind of having that in the back of her mind, Toph understood that on a level that most earthbenders wouldn't be able to grasp
0: that and like the actual moment itself is paralleled with guru patik talking about the one of the chakras with ang um or he goes into like how you know, the separation of the four nations and the four elements is completely an illusion. Um, And then he's like, even metal, it's just a purified form of earth. And then it's like Toph doing all the cool shit. (sighs) I love her. (laughs) Um, But like the advent of metal bending is super, super amazing because it was something that she like, it was shown as something she was really trying to pick apart and understand and like learn for herself and construct as opposed to like it just kind of happening. Um, It was really like a really cool way to discover this like additional level of a bending form and especially because like it's built upon like it feels like each element gets its more advanced elemental form uh as the series is progressing because like we lightning as a part of fire is introduced pretty early on and then we get metal on top of earth and eventually blood bending on top of water and that's rad or i guess in the legend of korra people just go yanking air out of bitches, so that's also a choice um Oh, that yeah, that happens, right
1: Like, yeah. levitating is something that they introduced. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, for me, I was also going to say metal bending, when she learns metal bending was the most exciting part. Like, in general, in the series, the most exciting parts were when they introduced these new types of bendings. Mm-hmm. Because it to me, that's when, like, the world building really comes alive. Yeah. And it introduces this aspect that the world isn't stagnant. These things aren't, they're not stagnant. They can change and people can develop just like in in our real world. Like that's what makes it so strong is that it's a parallel to our real world where technology advances. We like come up with new ways of using natural things and innovating them. And in this way, in that world, they are innovating their very fundamental aspects of bending, which to me is like when the world really comes alive you can see that that it's not a stagnant thing and these people are are like real people.
2: I also think too like the whole the whole thing like with the metal bending, it's like very representative of like her character because it's like they literally put her in a box and they're like you cannot move you cannot do anything like this is where you're gonna stay and it's just over and over again Toph is like no yes I can I'm gonna figure out a way And I'm going to find a way to do something and like do it my own way, even if it's like a revolutionary kind of bending, you know, so that's why I really like that
3: moment.
0: No one's ever done this before. Well, I will. So fuck you.
3: (laughs) Right.
5: That just brought up a thought for me. This is sort of about Toff still, but also kind of about Iroh when you juxtapose their two like situations when they're captured by someone else and then they're like being dragged somewhere to be like whatever, ha- like it's two different situations obviously, but the way that they escape is so different. And I think, but I think that there's similarities too because Toph took some of Iroh's advice after spending that time with him. Um, I think it's really interesting just to like analyze that.
3: Sort of a still about Toph, but also. I think true. I one of the only ones gets kind of like a full story arc if that makes sense of development because when we first meet her she is like almost like deathly afraid of like air and being away from the ground and being out of her element and so being put in that huge metal cage and being told like guess what this is not your element she's like you know what? I'm embracing <laughs> it and like let's make it my
0: element it's gonna be my <laughs> element <laughs> this is, oh it's not mine? cute About to try be. again <laughs> But also, like that point of um, Toph being so afraid of being out of her element and being unable to bend is something that, like, they kind of go back and forth on. Because one thing that I always wish was explored more was like when Toph heard that Tylee could take away bending from Katara, like we never got to see her reaction to that note. It was just, like, Sokka immediately went into like, Ah, the sun is up, we have not slept! Which is like, you know, I'm always happy for some comic relief, but I was more interested in seeing how Toph would have reacted to, like, Wait, people can take bending away? That's a problem.
2: Because it's related to, like, how she sees the world, and, like, literally how she's maintained this, like, independence in a society that does not acknowledge, like, disabilities, really. Yeah, that would have been awful.
0: Yeah, it really does not acknowledge disability because there's like no form of braille or like, you know, means of educating yourself independently as someone who is visually impaired, which is like...
5: I know this might not be like a popular thing amongst like Avatar fans. Talking about disabilities, though, I think it would have been interesting to see Toph talk to, um, what's his face? who's in a wheelchair in the air. Teo, Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. cause they're both in this world. They both have disabilities in this world that doesn't really acknowledge or cater to disabilities. And they've made their own ways of like surviving this world and thriving in this world. Like they both end up being like overtaking their disabilities almost and like overcoming them in like very unique and creative ways.
0: Yeah, because Toph's is relevant to her abilities as a bender, whereas Teo's is uh, relevant to uh, the, what is it? Progress in technology. And especially because in the Western Air Temple, Eastern, West Western, Western Air Temple, went outside the Fire Nation, um, they're like there together at the same time, but like Teo, Haru and the Duke are just like told to fuck off while they focus on other things, which is, you know, because it's an episodic TV show and limits in time and whatnot. But always worth, like, ex- considering, like, what could have happened there. Oh, okay. And then time to get a little controversial. Toffs the worst moment. Because I was having a hard time thinking of one, to be honest, for myself. But if anybody else has something to offer. Hmm. Actually, no. It's in the uh, chase. When she's going, like... I don't understand why you're asking me to help. Because <laughs> I was like, just stop being a privileged little rich bitch and get up and carry something, please. <laughs> it's It was really that for me because, like, there's no taking Toph's side in that matter. You're on a team now, and team needs... Mutual support, which I understand it's coming from her place of like, she has to reject assistance because she feels like any form of help is like an act of pity as opposed to like people just needing help or wanting help.
2: So because like I, I would hesitate because like I obviously like that was really annoying and I was like Toph like come on, but I think that like she legitimately has never worked in a team before. So it's like As much as I want to say, like, yes, that's her worst moment because that was one of the moments where I was like, Toph, really? You're not going to, you know, but it's like she's an only child and like she has clawed her way to the top of like everything, like by herself. Like she legitimately does, like does not know how that works. And so I think that she was like, yeah, I think she, she knew what she's doing wasn't great, but I also think that like she legitimately didn't know how to like work with like
3: them.
1: Absolutely. Right. Cause like a lot of those episodes was her saying, I'm going to pull my own weight. Don't worry about me. Like her attitude, right. her general attitude in, in terms of working as a team, as a team is just like, you do your thing. I do mine. That's how it should be.
0: But that's then- not how teams work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, like, worst moment would be, like, from a writing standpoint, what was a moment where it felt out of character for her to do
0: something? Literally the fact that she's so quiet for, like, the second half of season three. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's where I would come from with it, because we don't hear much from Toph after The Runaway. Which is The Runaway? Um,
5: where she steals stuff. and then... she's on a scamming spree. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and then Katara and her end up scamming together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And She's even, then, the, sorry, even then that episode felt like more of a Katara arc than a Toph arc like yeah it was I felt like Toph it was scamming
0: I felt like it was an equal arc for both of them like there are major revelations in both of their characters even for Sokka there was a major revelation for everyone except Aang
3: <laughs> Toph almost got the Suki treatment like you're gonna go on your own side quest and you'll be back we don't know when but you'll be back like almost <coughs> got that treatment that's how it felt like
2: that's what I was thinking. I was thinking more like, with how she was treated in season three, like she was just like used as this powerhouse to kind of like make everything like, oh she can metal bend now. I'm gonna insert her in situations where like it's gonna be really beneficial for the other characters that she can like metal bend and like, like help people. You know, I think that she kind of got that like, I hate to say this like second tier kind of treatment.
0: Yeah it was less about her as a character and more about her as useful
5: that made me think i think of my least favorite talk moment it's in like one of the last episodes of season three where they're all trying to search for Aang, and she immediately like gravitates to zuko it's not that i don't think it's like i don't think it's super out of character but something about it was just like, okay, I get where the writers were coming from, where this, it's kind of like a humorous thing like, and now she's gonna like, unload all her trauma on him and just like,
0: it just, I didn't. It didn't didn't read well. Like when you, if you give it any moment of thought, you're kind of like, well, that was really dismissive of Toph. That doesn't really sound like the way Zuko would respond. And also it would have been a moment of exploring, like if they wanted to make Mako, more of a ship that it felt like Zuko was into, that, like, him making the connection between, like, the story Toph is telling and the story that he has observed with May, and kind of, like, the way he rejected... Well, for one thing, I don't understand why Toph would be that vulnerable with Zuko at this point, Um especially if even as much room as there could be for a closer relationship between the two of them, that's not what the time that they gave to that in the series.
1: Well, I think she... Wasn't she, like, the first person alongside Aang to believe that Zuko was, like, had changed? Like,
0: Uh, when he- Well, no. So there was no changing for Toph because, remember, her framework for Zuko was first introduced by Iroh, even though she did not know that, like, that's the nephew he was talking about. Like, the first time she really hears anything about Zuko, aside from the angry jerk with a ponytail, is from Iroh, where he's talking about his nephew, whom he really loves, who he's lost, and, like, that's the first thing Toph hears about Zuko. And then- They go on to like facing Azula. Azula takes out Iroh, and Toph is like, Oh my fucking god, this dude that helped me is like about to die.
2: Well, right. But like, she was the first person to like advocate for him. Like, it's not like she was like, Oh, he's changed. She's like, Well, he's not lying because I have like this supernatural ability to tell. And so, like, I'm gonna advocate for him. I do think it's out of character, but I think it does make sense that like she was more accepting of him you know at first
4: interaction to see like what they were like because after that first setup it was like almost meant that like Toph was going to be one of the people in the group who might be closer to Zuko than other people
0: yeah and also Toph is the only person in the group that has also come from the position of being an outsider because there was so much conflict uh, you know shortly following her joining the group because it goes what it was the chase bitter work and then the library so then like she is almost friends with them for one episode, and then they lose Appa and Aang goes berserk. Um, Literally berserk. Another day. <laughs> another day. Another day.
3: It's... Because that whole thing pissed me off. I'm not
0: yeah, happen. Aang's behavior in the desert, while well, understandable, was never readdressed, mm-hmm. which makes it look like it's acceptable. And it's not. Debatable. That's debatable. I that think way. it's perfectly understandable. I just don't think it's an acceptable way to treat people under most circumstances, but this is a bunch of 12 to 14 year olds. So I completely understand why it happened.
5: Yeah, you have to remember that we're 19 to 20 something year olds
0: right.
5: analyzing a show about children. Like they they are children. <laughs> so like we can recognize that that behavior is unacceptable and that there are certain things that you need to address in terms of behavior and ultimately fix. But as a 12-year-old, you don't have that kind of retrospective...
0: You can't internalize your thoughts that well. When I was 12, I wasn't even aware of my existence. I was just vibing.
2: No sentience.
0: floating through the Played Super Mario, living my best life. But it's... I don't know. I'll get into this a little bit now. But like when Aang goes off on Toph after Appa was stolen, I wanted Toph to yell back. Because... Like not only is she like not a conflict avoidant person, like she she would have yelled back. <laughs> That's just the type of person Toph was established to be prior to this moment, but also how like she is actually blind for the first time in her life. And she is like in her element, but not. So she's trying to see. That's hard enough. But then she doesn't know how to move this like whooshy stuff. And then she's just holding up a library that was syncing with her friends inside. And then she couldn't save the bison at the same time because she could not see where the sandbenders and the bison were. Uh-huh. So all of that goes down. That was incredibly stressful. And the dude comes out and yells at you for it. like. And you still can't see. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like that's incredibly stressful. Like
5: her being in sand is like our equivalent of like needing glass to see or fog yeah mm-hmm. like it's just very hazy and like it's there's sort of an image but like it's not nothing clear because she's mm-hmm. never been in sand before she's never had to try and bend or use sand before mm-hmm. it's completely like it's like being put taken from your home in the middle of the night and put in like the middle of the woods
0: somewhere like you have no idea what's going on yeah and oh, gosh I really just feel bad about this because like ugh. Like, to do all of that and have someone still be mad at you for you doing your best in an unfamiliar area, I just, I wanted her to yell back at him. That's all I really wanted from him Cuz like if it was Katara, she would have yelled back.
2: Like, I feel like, like, they've had those kinds
3: of arguments Yeah,
2: before. I really I...
0: hate the way the writers, like, coddle Aang. Like, no one gets mad at Aang. And
3: people need to get mad at Aang. I think it was just, like, in that moment, she was just, I think that was, like, one of the first times she was genuinely, like, you know what, I feel like this could be something and I genuinely care that Appa's getting taken away right now. I just literally can't do anything about it. It's either you guys or Appa and together we can get Appa. I think that was one of the moments that she was like, I kind of need you guys. Yeah. Why she didn't just go handle it.
5: <laughs> and then Aang yes. never really apologizes to her for exactly. that. Exactly. No. Like he doesn't take, like he doesn't, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. He never. He he never even expresses
0: remorse. Like, there are some of his actions where he expresses remorse but never apologizes, but he doesn't remorse yelling at Toph in Mm -hmm. a a moment where there was no good choice to make, really.
5: Right. And then for a character who is so focused on apologizing and forgiveness and like peace and love and all this stuff, he should have apologized. The writer should have put in a moment where Mm -hmm. he and Toph could have talked civilly after that and he apologize for what he did because that was not cool that was so shitty
3: since he's like oh you're like my teacher you're a master like i think very highly of you so on all fours sir let's where is (laughs) apology like you know if it was
0: sorry it's like they don't really go in on like asserting Katara as more of a maternal figure rather than a big sister figure until season three but like the way that Katara is holding the team together throughout the desert it seems strange that she would not ask Aang to apologize to his friend like just as a friend not as like an earthbending teacher not as anything else just all of these people who are trying to work together to accomplish the same thing.
3: It's like wait. how awkward is it to have your girlfriend be like, "Oh my god, babe, go apologize." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Going all- off of
5: Roxy's point about the master thing too, you know that if it was like if Aang had been yelling at Boomy or at Roku or someone who else who is like actually an adult who he sees as a master mm-hmm. figure, he probably would have apologized. There would have been a moment where he apologized. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm it's gonna-
2: like we're, we. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was gonna say I'm gonna make a defense for Aang and say that once it. again, he's a child. These are children.
0: But children are annoying. <laughs> I
1: know. And and he his entire people were wiped out and Apa is the one thing from that nation that he has. Exactly.
0: That's why I say his response is and, perfectly understandable.
1: But yeah, like, I was gonna
0: say in this while. I think turn.
1: he's just so blinded by anger and once again he feels he he for the first time feels truly alone. Even though he has his friends here, I feel like he's sort of reverting to a state of like, this is the only thing from my people, Apa, and he could be dead at this point. Yeah. And so I think I think it's I think it kind of makes sense that he's not even thinking about other people in this situation.
0: And well, our points of apology are not coming like he should have done that at any point in the desert. It's more like when they get to some semblance of safety in Bossing say, right. like he's never thinking about how any of that behavior might continue to live on throughout the series and to an extent it just doesn't because that was not something that they felt like needed focus as the series progressed but when you consider like as a writing point all of these characters feeling like the realest people that they could in certain parts just kind of being peeled back because they were not convenient yeah (laughs) but to a certain extent Aang can recognize on his most basal level that it's not Toph's fault because he didn't go into the Avatar State then. He went into the Avatar State when they confronted the sandbenders. Yeah. So this isn't the Aang episode. I just think Toph should have been angrier at him in that moment.
5: That wasn't like a worst moment for her though. That was sort of out of like an out of character moment for sure, but yeah. it wasn't like a worst moment for her, I don't nah. think, in the series.
3: I don't think she really had too much of a worse moment. It was just really awkward trying to establish, like, what kind of female role was Toph going to have within this gang because Katara was like, mother.
2: And the love interest. And the love interest, like. Mm
0: -hmm. Like, what are you going to do? Like, there, there was, I was just kind of frustrated by the ways that the conflicts between Katara and Toph were, like, treated as a, like, the feminized girl versus the masculinized girl, as opposed to just them being two different people. I think the preamble to the chase, where they're all, like, playing in Opus fur, is where it they set us up to think that this is going to be about, like, the girly girl versus the tomboy, when it's not. This is, like, an actual point of conflict. So there's no reason to really, like, pre-establish the, the bit with the fur. But it's also, like, kids show comic relief, yada yada. Wait, can you explain that? Oh, in the chase when Appa is shedding and the boys are all like playing with the fur and then Toph comes out and does the same thing and Katara's is like, oh my gosh, that's gross. That's it. Oh. <laughs> um.
3: But what, what, is it the same episode that they have the whole moment where they go to like the spa or
0: something? That's the Tales of Ba Sing Se! And I loved that so much because they're like just bonding as like friends for the first time. And And it's
5: giving Toph a moment to be feminine, which isn't something that they gave her before that. Like, she never had a moment where she was able to, like, feel like... That
0: that she she isn't the way she is because she's rejecting femininity. It's because beauty and things like that felt like things that were not accessible to her. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, I don't... I think I understand, like kind of like the petty conflict that they have because i do think that it's like it's irritating how they set it up like you said like masculine girl versus the feminine girl but like as someone who has been a 12 year old girl and a 14 year old girl i know that at 14 i thought i knew infinitely more than like every 12 year old on the planet and so i do understand like every petty conflict is like no like this is world ending because like you don't know more than me and like being a 12 year old and being told what to do is like, that's hard, you know? So yeah. like, as much as it is annoying, like I get how like the small things, I think like in the chase, I would argue that the small things, they did a good job of like, making yeah. it build up
0: to a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was executed really well. Also, I can't get over the fact that like Katara was like, the stars sure are beautiful tonight. Too bad you can't see them. And <laughs> I, I'm was like, night, I was like, I
2: was like
0: that was so out of
2: pocket i was like okay katara you can't say that <laughs> oh,
1: you can't say that <laughs> that's not politically correct
0: because <laughs> like uh, up until that moment I, I i i literally up until i watched the episode like a few months ago like this series came out in 2006 i was like oh yeah it's because toff's in the tent no she's blind <laughs>
1: wait I think I also thought it was because (laughs) I'm just realizing
3: literally like sucks to suck
0: (laughs) yeah that comment was extremely out of pocket Um,
5: there's other moments like that too like they think there's one where they're talking about reading and yeah someone
0: uh, in the library it's like people. I've held books before and I gotta say they don't really do it for me and she's like oh, <laughs> like the team the gang for getting Toph is blind is the funniest
2: funny yeah and then in the runaway when like like Sokka and Katara both like hold the paper up in front of her and she's like well it sounds like a piece of paper and like they just <laughs> right. don't acknowledge the fact that she can't because otherwise Sokka she navigates the, the
0: world just like voice. anybody who can see but then you try to but show her things and I, she's like great that sounds Cool. <laughs> I love eyes. Oh, there it is. That's what it'll sound like when one of you spots it.
1: And that's also such great consistency in writing the character that the characters just casually forget that she's blind because of her earth bending. And then to remember, oh yeah, Toph wouldn't be able to see this in this mode. I feel like me as an inexperienced writer, I would literally just forget that she's blind sometimes uh-huh. and have her see things. <laughs>
5: I think the other part of the consistent writing is like her sarcasm. Like she doesn't really take like the being blind thing as like a, Mm -hmm. a hindrance. Like, yeah, she's like, Oh, I can't see that. (laughs) (laughs) Whoop-de-doo. And then she like kind of pokes fun at the other people who are forget that she's blind in it. So like, that consistency in writing also does it for me. Like I, I like how they write her character most of the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because
2: like in her twelve year old, like her twelve year old brain, it's like yes, I, I, can't see these like details, but I'm also the best earthbender on the planet. So like, who's really losing here? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I can't see and you can't win. So I really, <laughs> Toss blind jokes are the best, and it's also probably it's... some kind of a comfort to her because like she's not being treated as less than for being blind like people straight up forget
3: she had some funny moments they even played around with like uh when it when they were like crossing i think it was like the serpent time you know like that monster that comes out of the water when they're trying to get from one island to the next and top gets lost and suki's like not suki sokka's like follow the sound of my voice and top is like what do you mean? I can't see. Like, this is ice. And then falls in. There's, like, a whole moment when Suki goes to save Top. (laughs) And she's like, "Oh, Sokka, my hero. And kisses her. And it's like, oh, it's okay. You can drown me now. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) You're
0: you're so funny, Toph. Toph's humor is top tier.
2: Well, I think it's interesting, too, because, like, her blindness was taken so seriously by her parents. And, like, that was, like, this just grave... Thing, and it was like her parents were just so angsty about it like this is like there's something wrong with you and now like you know you have to be protected for the rest of your life so like her making jokes about it it's like yeah like probably she's legitimately funny but it's also like okay this is something i don't have to take as seriously anymore and like i don't want anyone else to do what my parents did ever again
0: <laughs> yeah
5: office parents are a whole other like topic I feel like mm-hmm. I know that we never really not a whole topic for an episode obviously but just her relationship with them they it never really gets resolved I like the idea that she has a found family though like yeah it's not that her parents were necessarily like abusive but they were so controlling that she felt like mm-hmm. she didn't have a connection with them but except maybe with her mother because there was the whole thing where her mom fakes sent a letter
0: it was was, so the letter from her mom was a decoy letter from the mm -hmm. two dudes who were kidnapping her yeah but like under her parents ward so I guess it's no it's not okay
5: (laughs) but that made Toph want to go back like to talk to her mom so maybe like that's one connection but I do like the idea that she has a found family because you don't see that a lot in children's media like you don't get a lot of kids don't get the message that like you don't have to stay with your family if they are not treating you well, if they are not good, like good people, if you don't feel like you have a connection with them, that you don't have to be your family. You like You can go that, out and my... find people who will love you for you. Right. I like that. I, I like that about her story a lot, like mm-hmm. her arc and her finally accepting that like she has family in these kids that she's met and that she's traveled with
0: yeah and in the runaway when she's like talking about like reflecting on how she's probably hurt them with running away and she really does want to reach out and like keep in touch like there's some part of her that doesn't want to leave them behind but she like it's could come down to a really difficult choice if they just refuse to accept her for who she is.
3: Well, I mean, like rightfully so. She's surrounded by other kids who have lost their parents like they're never coming back. And she luckily has both of them. So, I mean, I guess in a sense it's like, yeah, I don't want to be there, but at the same time, like they're my parents. Like I'm glad that they exist in some sort of fashion. They just don't have to run and rule me.
0: Yes, period. Oh, that's a queer coded story if I've ever seen one. Because like my parents will not accept me for who I am. They are demanding I be someone that I'm not. Mm. <laughs> Living as what they perceive me as rather than recognizing who I am. That's fair. Um, yeah.
3: But okay, so are there any like ships with Toph that people make? Because
0: there's I a feeling like,
3: like Sokka moment, and I'm like, why
0: are you interested so in So Taka Sokka shippers are a, a thing? Um like, I, I see feel like people. in general, Toph shippers aren't as impassioned as the rest of the shippers, so they don't get the most attention. But, like, there are ships. She do be chilling. I had Ken and Toph as, like, asexual, though. Like, Toph just wants to mind her business. I mean, she's also 12. <laughs> well that but like I perceive most of the character relationships as like post canon stuff like where people might end up because I don't I'm not interested in watching a 12 year old and a 14 year old make out that's why I hate the conclusion of the series so much Um, but um, like post war as an adult or even as a teenager like I just feel like Toph might want to like adopt some kids like she wouldn't be opposed to parenting but I don't I don't feel like Toph's super interested in other people see
2: I never got that like, her having kids, like, her wanting kids, like, that always, like, blew me away, like, when I found out, like, you know, in Legend of Korra, she has, like, two kids. I was like, "What is talking to can do with kids? Like, I get that, like, we, like, learn about, like, you know, her when she's 12, so it makes sense, because she is a kid, but it's like, the way that, like, she doesn't have, seem to have a lot of character development from 12 to, like, 90-something, <laughs> it's like, why was she why was she i mean like i guess like she just like got pregnant and then was like raising kids like that's like you know that's fine but like their fathers
0: are unknown when people are like was it this guy was it this guy
2: right but it's like what was like i've never like perceived i just find it interesting that like you perceive her as someone who would like want to have kids because like i do not get that vibe like at all and I mean like also, if she
0: happens upon a child, she'll like deal with that, which she's not also- gonna have-
2: Which she did, and it's like debatable and questionable at this point, but yeah.
1: <clears throat> well, I think for the Korra series they just wanted to have someone who is a descendant of Toph for badassery repurposes, But right. um I think there's also if we're gonna like lean into history, there's also the assumption that women are meant to bear children. That's yeah. just like a thing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, you're like you didn't
0: complete womanhood
1: yeah you're like you're like villainized or you're like thought to be a lesbian or something
0: I mean who you're thinks seen as lesser? straight
5: <laughs> that's the uh, thing is like you, you're seen as lesser as a woman if you yeah. are either either choose to not have kids or you are in, unable to have kids for whatever reason there's so many different reasons why that's true for certain women um and then, sis, like, I feel like we're moving past that a little bit as a society, like, especially with our generation, yeah. but just in general, that that stuff gets really icky, and I know that it, like, it it's
2: squicky and triggering for a lot a of people. They would
5: just
0: smothered no, like, Katara in, with it, but that's a different conversation.
2: In the context of this series, like, the way women are treated, like, depends on, like, what nation you're in, because, like... I mean, like, the Northern Water Tribe versus the Fire Nation, like, women are treated, like, it's, like, polar opposite. So it's, like, interesting to me. And then she also, like, didn't get, like, married, which is fine. But it's, like, how would she, like, how would having kids be, like, beneficial to her if she's not just going to, like, fully commit to, like, gender norms? You know, I don't know. I just always found that really weird that she had, like, like... Or, no, I just found it weird that you thought that she was going to, like...
1: That she wanted kids I mean they're all there's also a case to be made that like maybe maybe she just like she's twelve in the original series like I don't like as a child I wasn't thinking about having kids really I was just thinking about like
0: well you're also raised as a boy like that's um, not something for young girls it's like something that you're told about from jump like you're gonna you're gonna have kids one yeah. day. And that's just a fact. <laughs> Some and girls you have you get your
2: period and you're like, do you know what that means? Like, <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's just a fact of your body.
3: <laughs> it's a blessing, not a curse. You'll be thankful one day.
0: <laughs> what if I don't want to use it? Can I take it out? No? Okay. <laughs>
2: when they say you'll be thankful one day, they really mean you'll be thankful for like one day.
0: And then you never sleep day. again and you hate it.
1: <laughs> so if we're going to talk about like talk, past the original series and like moving into Korra there's also a huge discussion around I've heard people talk a lot about how she becomes like head of the police force and how that seems like a complete 180 for her
0: yeah the character that was railing against authority for the entire original series suddenly becomes a head of an authority how did we get here (laughs) like there's people change and there's just a complete rejection of your originally established character it makes
1: you think like what is the reason that she did that does there ha- is there something that happens between cora and the original series that like completely is a massive character growth moment
0: perhaps i didn't read this like one off comic that like the cover that you have behind you right now so i don't know if more about the metal bending academy is established there but somehow we got from metal bending school to metal bending police force and i like i mean in american terms those are very closely related but i don't know how much of the series is just based on like being subliminally colored by being created by americans and like an intentional choice within the world of the show
5: i wonder how much thinking about that i wonder how much of legend of korra was based on like eastern cultures being influenced by western culture and civilization like that i feel like that I don't know if the creators were intentionally making a commentary on like Eastern cultures being influenced by the West, but that's what it feels like sometimes, especially from what
1: I saw. It was literally just the creators liked 1920s Americana aesthetic and just wanted to use it. Yeah.
2: (laughs) like i'm so sorry (laughs) but they made it like the original series is beautiful and like then i get that it's like industrial uh, industrialization is gross anyway but it's like it's just like they use i was like why would like 1920s like america i don't
0: know anyway sorry that wasn't a constructive opinion (laughs) it It may not have been constructive but like it's it's strange it's so strange oh sorry ali what was it
4: Sorry, it would have made a lot of sense for what Republic City looked like for the Fire Nation looked like, because they were yeah. the first to actually be industrialized. I feel like the timeline between the nations, uh, and I know like a time of peace means like you're going to trade and, and, you know, share technology and everything, but the Earth Kingdom didn't look, it it looked a lot, uh, it looked like a
0: suburbia, but like, yeah. it was just and... very high like earth bending is not really constructive for city making like metal bending sure but like earth benders would kind of sprawl out in villages because that was just a more effective way to be utilizing their bendable um versus like what the fuck was it oh 1920s. It's just so jarring because there's no, like, where did this Western influence come from in the context of the world it didn't exist anywhere else? And suddenly it is here. Like, how did that manifest? Who was like, you know what, I like jazz in this world with no black or African related people. Um, Which is like another conversation. I didn't even think about that.
5: they really wanted to do some industrialization and they, but they wanted to keep the themes of like, not themes. They wanted to keep that like Eastern influence. They should have looked at like what China, Korea, Japan, those countries look like. There's a means of becoming
0: industrialized without becoming Westernized. Like there was.
5: Like, yeah, there was Western influence in those countries when they were industrializing but a lot of it was just them industrializing and figuring out new ways to be more efficient.
1: Yeah, and they went really heavy-handed with the 1920s stuff. Like they had that announcer guy who had like that transatlantic accent.
0: I love the transatlantic is... accent. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but like they they went really hard in on it, and like the advent of movies and such. But the movers. The movers. <laughs> Bolin, best himbo. I love Bolin. Like in my <laughs> in my struggles to rewatch The Legend of Korra, I'm just like there for Bolin right now. <laughs>
1: Uh, but so it was very clear that the like they wanted Earth be- or metal bending to become a much more major part of the. Okay, that's one thing that I really liked about it because I talked earlier about how. I liked how she made earth bending a thing and this idea of blood bending and lightning bending and that it felt like the world was changing. That's, yeah,
0: oh, lightning bending is one of my favorite points because that was like a royal art form and now it's a blue collar job. Like that's fucking yeah. wild to me.
1: <laughs> Cuz that's that to me is what very very much feels like the real world where the where the these things that we like feel so fundamental end up changing in such drastic ways over the course of like a century.
3: Yeah wow spoiler alert guys oh
0: my god oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) sorry roxy lightning still goes up spoiler
1: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like the like how tough she becomes this brilliant metal bender and i think there could be a case to be made that like from a character standpoint why would you want to give that power to other people um and, and, of course, like, why would she want to be part of the police force? But I definitely think the creators were just like, what if it, it would be super badass if we had these these police officers that could metal bend? Whereas because from the character standpoint, it doesn't make too much sense.
2: Because it sounds they like could've. laziness. Like, it sounds like, okay, well, Sokka was a part of the council, and then Aang was doing his thing, Tara's doing her thing, so, like, Top has to do something important for Republic City, too. So, like,
5: They're might like
1: as the- well they all need to manifest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> if they
5: really if they really wanted to like have metal bending be a more widespread and available thing, but they also wanted to keep Toph in character and they actually cared about keeping her in character, they could have had her teach metal bending to people and then had someone else start this police force. Exactly.
0: Like it's perfectly plausible for her to be teaching people and someone to be like, "Well, I want to standardize this for a particular purpose and Toph would probably be like no and then they do it anyway
2: exactly I want to see her be mad about it like I want exactly. to see her like creation essentially being used for exactly what she didn't want to have like that would be, that
0: would be so good that yeah. would be so interesting
2: and that's why she's in the swamp running away from society she's like whatever I- I've created more rules like how could this have happened
0: this is not what I wanted and, then... and it'd be really funny if Lynn was the person to like eventually had that police force that manifested because she's like you're doing exactly what i did but backward i'm proud of you but also i hate it <laughs> it would have been fun to see toff like
5: come back and like kind of not destroy the police force necessarily but like you know a cab tear some shit down you know
0: i
3: mean just to remind yes. everyone who's boss and then leave <laughs>
5: yes i'm going back to my swamp now See. You. <laughs> like have these police like throwing their metal like
0: whatever they are, like, I don't even know what they are, cables at her. Can and you her imagine, like... like, if Toph was in, like, normal civilian clothes and so they, they think that she's just some old lady and they try to arrest her and she just
2: <laughs> And then, no, 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 but then Lynn is, like, mother? Because, like, she has to be called in
0: uh, Imagine <laughs> like, arresting like, I... your mom. That would have been hilarious. If Toph I should just... not have started the police force. <laughs> it's like, I just wanted some cabbages. I was just going to the town. Yeah. <laughs> Not
2: the
0: cabbages. That's stealing mom. Like the cabbage person will get no peace even in death. No.
1: She becomes the archetype of the old lady, the crazy old lady who just does things that are inconvenient and ends up getting into trouble. And her daughter is like, Mom, (laughs) you gotta stop
2: if it's stealing why did they just like it's not stealing they just left it out like why would they just leave it out if if, they don't want me to take it they should put it away
1: (laughs) that would be very in character
2: yeah
0: talk wreaking havoc that's what i'm saying like the og shit starter who is fully aware of being a shit starter like why would that die
4: I could just see her, like, ranting about the Hundred Year War and how they had to steal food to survive, and so it's like, you know, the, nothing belongs to anyone. This is not-
0: <laughs> Especially because she came from wealthy parents, like, she would, oh my god.
2: And then, like, Katara and were, like, sorry, someone's just like, that was just you, like, it was just you, like, looting and, like, taking things.
0: But then, so- Katara would be like, okay, but you guys had fun. <laughs>
4: You ate You ate in it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I wanted to talk a bit more focused on Top's skill set. We went into like metal bending, but I'm always excited by the particulars of like her earth bending in general, the seismic sense specifically, and how like metal bending yeeted about, I suppose. Oh, power crawl, because Toph also had a power call despite being, like, established as a fully be- mastery person from the beginning.
1: I mean, one, so, like, she has that lie detector yeah. ability. And I'm thinking that could be the reason that she becomes head of the police force is because she, thats would be a way to use it.
0: She's a human lie detector.
1: Yeah, in terms and, and of, like, if, making use of like, your skills. Like, skills
0: yeah definitely and also like that's reflective of actual lie detection technology that we have and how it's not foolproof because Azula lies to Toph no problem because
1: favorite Azula moment personally
0: (laughs) I am a purple platypus bear with silver horns
3: (laughs) I feel like that would have been really interesting Azula and Toph just like I don't know, maybe not going at it, but just like getting vibes from each other and just having a conversation that would be like wickedly intricate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're both prodigies.
0: Right? Yeah. And they were treated as in like opposite manners as a result. Cause like Azula was treated as only her power and Toph was treated with no power.
3: And Azula and Toph dynamics. Honestly, they could have been- There was no time, but I would have loved that. I think they would have been friends. They would have
2: gotten along really well. Like they would have had like a, they would have like fought head to head, like in a spar and they would have to be a draw and they'd be like, oh, okay. But I I
0: wonder how well Toph would hold up against a firebender because Mm -hmm. that's not, I I wonder how that plays into her seeing with her seismic sense. Like, is it just, she knows someone moves and then like, There's hot stuff somewhere in the air. (laughs) Well, we know that she gets burned. Her feet get burned. So I feel like
3: if anyone really wanted to win against her, all they have to do is heat up the ground really hot because her feet would start to hurt. And that hurts her. I forget what episode it was. It was around when Zuko tries to join them.
0: Yeah, it was yeah. the episode, uh, was the like, Western Air Temple, where Zuko's like, "I'm good now," and everyone else is like, "Okay, bye." <laughs> and then Toph like tries to go investigate, and Zuko, traumatized as he is, hears something and firebends. bends. hmm like,
2: I mean, like, she, she can are- a hit
0: to wipe her out, really.
2: Because she could learn like she could learn firebending moves and like learn how someone moves. And so if someone is like starting a form, she might know where the fire is going to go. But like, I think that's like the best she could probably do.
4: She's like, that's too much homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly,
2: Not I'm going
4: like to hit some... him. I'll just hit him. <laughs> Against one of those like big head, you know, manly firebenders who are like very, oh, huh, huh, I'm going to. Punch you basically, but with fire, she'd be able to take those guys down because they're so readable. But someone like Azula who, who fights a... with tact more than power, <laughs> she spends so much time in the air for a firebender. Like, I yes. feel like a lot of the flames would just be coming at top from above.
0: That's what I'm saying. Confusing.
1: Yeah, that's what's so terrifying is that she can't see it, she would have to feel it coming at her. Because the fire is, like, in the air.
0: But once, like, that heat is that close to you, like, what do you do? Yeah. You duck. What? (laughs) Well, well, let's consider the fact that she's, like, three foot six. You know. (laughs) Already (laughs) (laughs) tiny.
3: But I mean, like... I don't know. I feel like anything that has to do with like the air, which is why I think her fighting waterbenders as well is kind of interesting. Although it has to come from somewhere per se, like Katara's got that little jug of water, like she'll be able to probably hear or feel that coming out. But I mean, fire, it's really just like, where the fuck does it come from?
0: (laughs) Something that is personally man- Or even airbending. It's just like, okay, I'm moving now, I guess. (laughs) Well, that's why she's so afraid of the air.
3: I'm like, yo, I wouldn't want to be up there either. Get me down,
0: Appa, down. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just walk? What if we walked?
5: (laughs) Well, the other thing with waterbenders is they definitely have to be more grounded than air or firebenders do in order for- they're bending to work
3: properly, I guess. Is right. the best it. Works way to, to put her it. advantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Firebenders can go wherever the fuck they want, apparently, and any it just comes out of them. Same with airbenders. Airbenders literally can fly. So. Fire. A disadvantage, comes from won't
0: the you? breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This is correct. Thank you, Zach.
5: <laughs> Zach, have you been working on your dragon breath?
1: Yeah, oh,
0: okay. No, that makes I've
1: sense. almost gotten to lightning bending, but I'm working oh. on
0: it. I'm so proud. Small Keep me posted. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, wait, this is not for this episode, but I have thoughts on lightning bending in Azula. Um. Listen, we'll get to her. We will later. We can get there soon. Um, what kind of bender would
1: y'all want to be? Now water. I want to
0: know. Water. <laughs> that was very quick. How come? Her, for sure. <laughs> um you get to slap people with water freeze them on occasion um if you're dedicated and strong enough you can bloodbend them i just like control (laughs) water is the one that would give me the most control yeah for a while i i
1: would have thought i would want to be a waterbender i think it just sounds super cool but i think i'd want to be a firebender just because i'm a leo so
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's why that's it you don't need to say anything else
2: I think I'd want to be a waterbender like within the like I think like you're thinking this through right like they have such cool lore to me like the push and the pull and then they have like that like that like pool I I don't know I think that part's really cool but I think ultimately the
0: spirit oasis
2: yeah like I'd want to be a fire like that's the that's like the coolest one like that's again not a Constructive, critical opinion, but like
0: I just want to be a firebender. And and that's allowed. So loud. That's a desire.
3: Amazing. Have. Like I think waterbending would be such a like a cool thing to learn, but I feel like in my heart of hearts, earthbending would probably be where I would shine. So I would say earthbending would be my thing. I'd probably end up being like a toph, but like being able to see. <laughs>
0: But my, I would also... I um, want to keep my sight. I would, I would like to still it? see you, Thank you. Um, but what was... It was the... Um, I also like waterbending because I feel like it could be utilized in a really interesting performative way. Like, just dance and, like, visuals. Water could be... with pu- Beautiful.
2: But isn't, like, your personality kind of a part of it? Because, like, you know, Aang has to, like, act like Toph to be able to like like act like quote unquote act like talk to be able to earthbend effectively.
0: So piece really is... of so that was like less like a particular it was an attitude thing of like you you can't be trying to go around this or find another way to deal with this issue. You just have to hit the rock.
2: <laughs> right. I don't know, mentality just... than personality. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I just think of like Toph is like very representative of her bending and I and i think that's a cultural thing
5: too like where Mm -hmm. where you're raised and what kind of culture you're raised in definitely influences how you are as a person not Mm -hmm. completely because there are a lot of like every person is different and like you can see that in the world of avatar but like Mm -hmm. katara because she was raised in the south southern water tribe is very different from like the northern water tribe Yue, like how they like Yue. yeah exactly Mm -hmm. Like, and the bending styles there are very different, even though they're both water,
0: you know? I always wish Southern water bending got more like, or really Southern water tribe culture overall got more attention because particularly to the point of like gender dynamics, it's not as though the Southern water tribe is like not sexist, but the sexism functions in a completely different way. And like the fact that like, they don't have the same marriage customs and also like, Bato and Hakoda don't really the they treat Qatar differently in certain situations, but it's not to the st- like the extremity of the Northern Water tribe. Yeah.
1: Kaylee, what which one would you be? Would you be an airbender to round? Ali, us out?
0: how about you answer? You uh, said Earth. Yeah, probably. Okay.
5: I do not okay so when I was little I wanted to be a waterbender especially after the bloodbending episode because I was like I want to control people but then I thought about it (laughs) guys that was a wild kid um your takeaway
0: yeah I can just throw people from the inside bloodbending
5: terrified me as a kid but I was also like I want to do that like I want to make my brother like Go get me a drink when I want one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, by causing that's him excruciating peak pain. older sister, kind of. <laughs> right.
5: But then, like, as I got older, waterbending is still cool to me. And I think, like, in an ideal world, I'd just be the avatar and I'd have all four, right? But <laughs> that probably wouldn't team. happen. Oh, that's so, a lot of
0: responsibility.
5: Right? I, I don't saying. want anyone like, to expect a damn thing
0: from me. Yeah, Listen, to me.
5: Living as an older sibling, I've come to accept that I have more ro- more like responsibility put on me than the other pe- some of the other people in my house and also was, like as the oldest cousin that's like present in my cousin's lives you know anyways but now that I'm like older I think I would either want to be fire or air and like for very different reasons fire because like that shit's cool and like I want a lightning bend and make people think it's storming outside.
1: <laughs> no, it's just little old me. <laughs> right.
5: But airbending because I want to fucking fly. Like, I want to go and make little tornadoes in my backyard and fly around and be super cool. <laughs> See, it's just
2: like
0: Kaylee's constantly... main objective is to wreck shit. That's yeah. what I'm having.
5: I'm an Aquarius. I don't know if any of that made sense. <laughs> <based> okay. On... <laughs> But there you go. That's my answer. My ultimate answer is I want to be the avatar. But like, if I had to choose a bending form, it'd be either fire or air. See,
1: like, I oh, wouldn't want to be the avatar because to it. me it's like ironically it's more limiting because you have all of these things to focus on. All of these things that has potential instead of being able to just focus on one thing mm-hmm. and being fully ingrained in that culture. Because to me what's super exciting is to like have one element that you're sort of stuck with but learning all there is to learn about that one element
3: yeah See, i think that's like just like
0: of all trades but good at none i would like, want to be the avatar if i was the villain <laughs> i'm really interested oh. in the concept of like a villainous avatar like what what would the world look like what would happen that would be interesting because i'm sure there was someone out there who's like i don't really want to unless i can do whatever i want and then like <laughs> they just kind I'm of a- Gather a band of bending teachers that are also terrible, and it's a grand old time. (laughs) They're also terrible. I'm
5: a big fan of villains. Like I, I I gravitate towards villains, and like all of the media
2: I consume, so I, I relate to that.
0: (laughs) I don't know why. I wonder if it's like
2: if there's an avatar. If like the avatar is like capable of being villainous because they get chosen.
0: I don't think right. Mm -hmm.
2: Like I don't know.
0: I I haven't watched season two of Korra in a bit and I'm sure there is some lore in there that is relevant and not terrible but I'm not going to watch it for a while
5: (laughs) I think that you probably could have a villainous avatar like maybe they're chosen initially at birth, right? But then based on your circumstances, like it's the nature versus nurture debate coming up. Like if they are put in like really shitty circumstances and they're manipulated their whole life and they believe that they have to go down like this certain path in order to succeed, that that could end up creating a villainous avatar, I think. like. I don't know if like the lore supports that but i think that that could be possible
1: well i also think that fundamentally the power of the avatar like it's like the avatar is some sort of constant within the universe like literally how the universe works and their power is derived from balance between the spirit world and the human world and so like so you just disrupt both worlds
3: equally Well, isn't it also based on like, kind of like, what nation would you be raised under? Because I feel like the last time the Avatar was a firebender, we ended up in war.
0: Well, that wasn't because Roku was doing anything malicious. No, and... I
3: know. But just like saying on like that kind of a principle, I feel like it'd be interesting to see like the Avatars in the different nations. Because like, how they grow up, like the Fire Nation, like right now, the Avatar had been like another Fire Nation had been like, of messed up because you know they're there and they're like, Well, I'm not quite seeing something wrong, I'm being told that this is that and that and that and that. Like, I really have yeah. to overcome everything i have been taught for for forever in comparison to Aang, who was like, Yeah, all my people are wiped out. teehee <laughs> 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 That's
0: you know, like right, obviously, in the series thing. though, yeah. like can... they really only used Aang. Grieving his people as an excuse to put him in the Avatar state instead of like something he actually dealt with.
2: Yeah, because like the, I watched the like Guru episode last night, and like I was like, like he was going through all the chakra stuff and like clearing all that. Okay, I was, like, doing my makeup while I was watching it, so I was, like, half paying attention, but it sounded, I was, like, I was watching, and I was, like, is this how they're, like, letting him deal with this? Like, is this the extent that he's gonna think of, like, the genocide of his people? Like,
0: is he just, is this just, like, a one-and-done and thing? I was, I was, like, the internet is taking <laughs> new form, and then it's Katara, and I'm, like, why would you put all that weight on her? Why, why would, that's what Aang expects from her? <laughs>
3: Oh, as a chakra, do you mean that part? Yeah, the um, felt, Katara
0: chakra.
3: I felt the love chakra is blocked <laughs> by, is this relevant? I literally saw that, I was like, is this
0: relevant? Katara, bye. What kind
3: of love interest? I've seen nothing
0: up <laughs> <laughs> there. My thing, I hate when people say Katara friend zone Aang, particularly in the uh, Fortune Teller episode, because it's not that. It's that Aang relationship zoned Katara, because Katara does not know he feels like this about her. and like has no reason to think that because this is just how she treats people as far as like she's concerned (laughs)
2: like we should we should wait until the ang episode
0: or Katara. You know, whichever comes first. But, like, I just get real frustrated about the execution of their relationship because there was no reason for it to be as bad as it was. Katang could have been fantastic. Screw the Katara um, chakra. I was pissed about it. <laughs> screw the Katara chakra. <laughs> fuck love. I'm
5: dying. Um. Honestly, yeah. Fuck love. I say this as someone in a
4: relationship right now,
2: too. So. Expert authority. like. Right.
4: Um... I feel like it would have been really interesting to see Toph uh, as the Avatar, I know I mean there's no reason for this, but like she would have made a really interesting Avatar to me because, just because her overall outlook on life was really different.
0: But But also it's like, y'all have seen the movies where it's like, Avatar the last airbender, Avatar the last airbender of Toph was the Avatar.
1: I'd also imagine that she'd ironically just not want to learn from anyone else, and would just be an avatar who can like only earthbend. Like, like you know how Aang has to do the journey to go to all four nations. I feel like Toph would be like, you know, no, I'm fine. I'm gonna just sit right here. I'm
0: good with this. I can't see the other ones. my heart <laughs> wait can oh you imagine god. like like so she does master the other elements but she never uses them so people fight her thinking she's just an earthbender vendor.
4: <laughs> oh my god no get this the the avatar would be missing because her parents would literally hide her and protect her we can't have a blind
0: avatar she's no good anyways we'll just keep her honestly see- yeah. yo that's low key yeah, like the shit kyoshi went is. through kyoshi's story is some is a trip um i need to read those novels but what was that? Oh, have y'all seen the theory that um yes, crab hands go Terps. UA um, <laughs> was supposed to be the next Avatar, and that's why like she needed to be blessed by the Moon Spirit because the Avatar Spirit was supposed to be in her body, but it wasn't. Wait, what? Well, that UA was supposed to be that? the next yeah. Avatar.
4: <laughs> i mean, but but, yeah, but because but, Aang was still alive. Yeah. So who was anticipating Aang's death? Wait, wait, ex- right. Wait. Ex-
0: I don't explain. know. If, like spiritually, like most avatars would probably like not everyone would pull a Kyoshi and live for two hundred and thirty years. Um,
1: <laughs> but Yue's older, older than, than Aang. Aang.
0: Yeah. No. No. UA is sixteen. Aang is hundred and twelve. <laughs> yeah,
1: but here, so like she...
0: timeline-wise, that doesn't make sense though because
5: yeah, UA was born sixteen years ago before her death and at, Aang at that point had already been in the iceberg for so long. Like, wouldn't that- have, Like if, in if that... real
0: time, he would have been like 96.
5: Right. And like for that to have Dying. worked, wouldn't that have to have happened, like for that theory to be plausible, wouldn't that like whole thing have had to happen right when he went in the iceberg? Like if, if it was like a no. near death experience.
0: Okay, then I don't- Like if he if he did not go in the iceberg, if he like lived his life as the avatar and then died, uh, we're
2: assuming that like the spirit world knows, like the, the has like a plan for al- the cycle. Yeah, like the the know. timeline was altered by the fact that he was in the iceberg, and that like Uh-oh.
4: the
2: the one timeline uh, was like uh, he was gonna live to ninety six and then die, I mean, and then UA was gonna have the avatar spirit. Like that's what oh, we're you're assuming. Saying-
1: and you're saying because Aang was still alive, Yue was born and was like going to die. Because she yes,
2: didn't have Rava, that in
0: her.
4: Rava went into Yue and then yeeted out because Aang oh, was no.
0: still alive. Rava was j-chilling and Aang like, hmm, hope that kid ends up okay. And she was, <laughs> but then she wasn't. <laughs> uh,
1: that's cool, I, I like that.
0: Yeah, that's just a theory that I wanted to pitch. Um, <laughs> but back to our regularly scheduled programming, tough tough character relationships Uh, both primarily platonic because that's the like main narrative focus of how Toph interacts with other people mm -hmm. um I think one of like like what what do y'all perceive as her most valuable relationship among the other characters
1: well I'd say Katara just because she has so much growth with her yeah and they start off so at odds with each other and then learn to appreciate each other
0: yeah, definitely, I agree with that, like, 112%. I
2: agree. I agree with that, but I'd also say it makes me feel a little bit icky because, like, in the episode, like, The Runaway, it's, like, weirdly established that, like, it's, like, okay that Katara's is everyone's mom, even though she's, like, 14. Like, that's what yeah. it, like, made it sound like. So, like, I agree that, like, they grew a lot together, and I think that they're, like, really close. And, um, like, arguably, like closer than like Toph is with anyone but like it's still kind of like it rubbed me the wrong way that like Sokka was talking to Toph and was like like yeah like it's okay because like she's like my mom too and it's
0: like no it's not like i i feel like it's not so much pushed to the point where they're treating it like it's okay but i do i really love that in the runaway there's this revelation that like Toph calls everyone on their bullshit she's like yo this is not how friends act we're all just a bunch of kids why are you guys like this because it's like the up until this point it was katara and Sokka's relationship where Sokka just kind of fell back on katara as um a substitute maternal figure because of the loss of their mom and katara fulfilled that role because she didn't know how else to cope with the loss of their mother and then Aang comes along doesn't really have a frame of reference for like parents or siblings and so he just falls into this dynamic because he thinks that's normal and then Toph comes along and she's like this is this is funky this is a choice and then it finally gets to the runaway where she's like y'all shouldn't be acting like this like this is not how other kids interact with each other yeah and she's Katara no, she's is super, like that takes her she's taken Katara is taken aback by that call out because she's like I don't that's not what I do is that what I do and then the other two go like no because they don't know how to like defy her in a strange way it's interesting because
3: it's kind of like the whole trope of like needing a man to step up and be able to take half the responsibility that like Katara would be doing kind of like as like a parent figure having someone oversee Katara as well but I I don't know the whole Thing makes me feel some type of way because I'm like Sokka could be stepping up in a way and they could be potentially like equals amongst the group taking care of Aang but then you just see Sokka being Sokka and then Katara being like well I
0: guess I will be the mother figure, the love interest and in all of it. Because there are certain so ways in which Sokka dreams. tries to wrangle them on like a tactical level but everything else is kind of, like, left to Katara.
2: But, like, Aang is, like, generally okay with the tactical things. And, like, listen, they listen, like, he listens to Sokka. But, like, the reason why, like, Katara has such a burden is because Aang doesn't know how to deal with his, like, emotions. And she has the emotional burden of the group. And that's why she's more motherly.
0: Yeah. Like, she is undeniably, like, really nosy ends up. Ending up in other people's business when she does not need to And Toph also calls her Like that's why I really value their relationship Because Toph is like calling Katara On her nonsense and Katara is calling Toph On her nonsense and then they just kind of Work it out like I just appreciate When characters like have conflict And then resolve it Mm -hmm. But also Like like to the
4: like that's why Katara and Toph have such an evolved relationship is because they start off with like conflict Mm -hmm. and so they have to kind of hash it out but I really would have liked to see maybe not Toph bashing heads but maybe seeing her click with someone like right off the bat or and seeing that kind of relationship fester or not fester but like Um, wrong choice of word.
0: (laughs) Well, that leads me very well into my next point of which relationship would you have liked to see Blossom more? Because mine is, without a doubt, I will die on this hill, Toph and Zuko. That is my favorite bro ship, and no one talks about it because it doesn't get the attention it deserves. But, like, there's so much room for them to just be cool with each other, like, from Jump, and then, like, everyone else in the team be like, why does Toph like this person? Toph doesn't like anybody let alone this person that's like traumatized all of the rest of us. <laughs> like, I just feel like they could get along really well, like from the start. And like one moment that I'm really attached to is like a headcanon w- is when like the little kid in the Ember Island play- Players comes by and is like, I like your Zuko costume, but your scar is on the wrong side. And he goes, the scar is not on the wrong side. And I would like, <laughs> Toph would 112% and go, what scar? Toph doesn't know he has a scar. Right. True. Oh. <laughs> the damaged prince. True, because that's, like, a big... That's, like,
1: major baggage for Zuko. He's, a, he's yeah. insecure about his scar, and then Toph will be, like, the one person who doesn't see it.
0: Aww. And they do have a different heart-to-heart about how, like, Iroh really loves Zuko and isn't, like, angry at him. But,
1: like... Yeah, I was just about to say, like, Toph meets Iroh as this really nice old man in the woods and he gives her good advice, whereas the rest of the gang knows Iroh as an adjacent to Zuko and everything that Zuko Mm -hmm. does so that Mm -hmm. she already has like an in for like appreciating Zuko and wanting to be his friend.
0: Yeah and I just like that on top of like the ways that you can parallel Zuko and not Zuko Azula and Toph's life experiences like I feel like there was a lot of room to assert Toph as like a positive sisterly like surrogate sister type character for Zuko um And as well as like the ways that Zuko could have been like a home for Toph had her parents continued to reject her after the war, just food for thought. I feel like Zuko's character arc with a lot of people would have been very interesting
3: if they could have had like more time to have like interactions. But we can talk about that when we get to Zuko but I think that's a very interesting dynamic to see how it would played out if Zuko actually had time to sit down, stop being after Aang and like be a person
0: He got to do that for like three whole days. Remember in the finale of Bossing Say? They got the tea shop, they got the apartment, everything's great. And then Azula shows up, and who is back on his bullshit? Zuka is back on his bullshit.
2: I find that, like, cause that's, I was, like, going through episodes last night and trying to find stuff with, like, big Toph moments, you know, just to brush up, and, like, I was, like, realizing that, like, there were just not a lot of, like, Toph was definitely there, but I think it's really interesting that there weren't a lot of significant moments, like, especially in season three, like, outside of the runaway, I think. Like, the only one that I can remember, really, in the finale is the one where she's literally hanging on for dear life, you know, and that was... yeah. Oh my gosh, that was stressful, but yeah. like it's just, I feel like she didn't, because like, I'm trying to think, like, who, like, she interacted, I think, with everyone, like, like kind of at the same level, and so, like, I'm just kind of thinking, like, I guess, like, Zuko hypothetically would be the most interesting, in my opinion, but it's like, she just wasn't, I guess, used.
0: So everyone. they prioritized it as an individual rather than a member of the team. Yeah. Which is kind I of a disservice to her very first conflict within the team because mm. yeah. then it becomes like well why does she stick around with them after the war like if she wasn't right. really that close but to anybody I
1: mean, they kind of resolve her story arc in the run yeah in the runaway with because like from the get-go her major conflict was with authority and katara was like an authority figure and in the runaway that's sort of resolved so i kind of get that they didn't really have anything else to go with her besides the Zuko stuff, which you talking about it, I'm like, that they definitely could have run with that. That would have been super cool to see.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I feel, I guess I don't consider like what happened in the runaway is like a a conclusion to her arc because it just starts a whole new thing for Katara to figure out. She's like, wait, do I act like a mom? Is this a problem? Hold on, why didn't anyone else tell me until now? Um, is that a conclusion for Toss Arc? Hmm.
1: Well yeah because
4: prior to her problems that it was the beginning she... were pretty much addressed, but I think I don't know in the in the belief that we have full realized people and not just like you know, like we said before, like kind of tools to exercise plot details, like it would have been nice to see how she, like emerged from that, from that, you know, self realization. It's like, oh, I'm acting this way because of where I come from, and now I'm gonna like kind of analyze that and see how that takes me.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if we, if her presence in the series was as uh, held back as we're saying it is, like after the runaway. Yeah, does I she, guess does she have if... lines or like moments of self-reflection?
0: Not really, which I guess is like yeah, the runaway was treated as like the conclusion of her arc, and then they went on focusing on other matters.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought of it like that and more top iroh moments please
3: yes yo <laughs> we should have had tea at the lotus flower or whatever that place is.
0: the jasmine dragon <laughs> the, <Lotus laughs> the white lotus is the organization but also i feel like post-war iroh shouldn't have been able to keep his tea shop in the city that he raided on for 600 days like iroh has definitely remorsed the things that he did and all kinds of things to do character development and whatnot. Um, but like he's a war criminal, and he should not be allowed in bossing, Say just like for fun. <laughs> Food for thought. <laughs> Apply right. for a visa.
3: <coughs> Where's your passport? <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, does anybody else have like a character relationship that they would have liked to see more of? Toff.
1: Probably just her parents. Like yeah, just never brought up again. Like ever. Mm practically
0: like it's kind of up in the air if they do come to accept her or they don't which is like in the comics mm. there's this brief encounter with her dad who has like started a company that's wrecking the land because that's what capitalism do but anyway um no, vibes <laughs> vibes it was like his her dad was like you are not my daughter and then like in the next volume he's like i guess i'm your dad again which is like the comics are a different Wait, issue why why does he say that I don't know. I can't remember. The you should know are... this. <laughs> Listen, you know how much agony it was trying to read those? <laughs> I know the comic trauma is a different discussion, probably a whole episode of its own. The comic which I'm, I'm. Oh, yeah, you weren't here when I called it that the first time. Um... <laughs>
4: Okay, Toph, and this underground ring, I have a theory for how she discovered it. I feel like she was just in the dirt, you know, underground.
3: <laughs> in the dirt.
1: she just, as she usually does on her days off, is just sitting you know, in mud.
0: You know, doing 12-year-old things, <laughs> playing with dirt and shit.
4: <laughs> and she's like, wait, I feel something. They're like people hashing it out underground. What the and she's peeking in and i can just imagine like the first few dates
0: wait do you think that like the first match she was in on she just like fucked around and like threw a rack rock like under someone's foot (laughs) why do i feel
3: like the first match she was ever in it wasn't actually her fight but yet she was just there and kind of fucked with
2: someone like fell through the ceiling (laughs) that's exactly what i was thinking she just drilled down kids like i guess i have to beat both of them now (laughs)
3: Like could you imagine like wh- her watching someone else's fight and like giving someone a leg up and then someone being like, hey, you, you're fighting for them. What are you doing?
0: <laughs> and she's like, What? I'm no, not. I'm not. I'm ten.
3: Right. <laughs> I can't see you. So if you're pointing to me, you better come speak to me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I want to know who who had the audacity to like throw hands. That
0: sign at doesn't you. work on me because I can't read <laughs> <laughs>
3: no shoes no shirt no service i can't see i'm taking my shoes off
0: (laughs) i can't believe that it took all the way up until season three for it to be like i can wear shoes just take the bottom out of the shoes (laughs) like why was that so difficult (laughs) right actually
3: damn Good, next pair of flip-flops come right off.
0: It's because she just
2: wanted to be openly like rebel. Like she just wanted yeah, to be like, no, I'm she... not wearing shoes. I dare you. What you to do about it? Hmm?
5: But also for someone who like had the genius and like mental capacity to invent a whole new form of bending. She also didn't have enough like to thought go, like, process.
0: Like just take, take the bottom
4: <laughs> out of the shoe.
2: <laughs> like take the soles off. <laughs> She knows earthbending. (laughs) (laughs) She knows
4: earthbending, not leatherbending. I'm not gonna. (laughs) I'm wondering, were they just not allowed to put her, the characters from the comics, in the show? Because I feel like seeing her students in Korra would have been really satisfying. You know, some like overlay between the comics and the show. Like, it's... is it a copyright so, issue? So,
0: which comics... I can't think about which comics were out before Korra started. I want to say there's only a few of them. I'll look it up right now. It
4: was The Search. The
0: the Promise was the first one, and then it's The Search. Okay. So, the comics go The Promise, The Search... No, The Promise was the only one that came out before Korra uh, started. Thanks and the promise was garbage it was just so bad Um, and the promise only consists of characters that did come up in the series Um, I don't know
1: anything about the comics
0: don't (laughs) don't Wait, why are they so bad? Cause they're just like, they exist with complete mischaracterizations of pretty much all of the characters. And also the action is like really stunted up until Imbalance, which is the one that came out most recently in 2018. Um, And it's also like some of the narrative choices are just really underwhelming. Like when they find Zuko's mom, um, at one point in the writer's room there was the suggestion that like Ursa had married Ozai by choice and then Ozai just kind of became terrible over time but now the comics established it that like um, she was like sought out because she was a descendant of Roku and um, forcibly married to Ozai and then like te- then thus the like Fire Nation royal family life has always been terrible but at some that kind of Puts a wrench in the idea that at some point Zuko believed their family was happy, that he had some semblance of a positive relationship with Azula, and had you know no reason to think that Ozai hated him. And there's well, also all of this mess. The mother with, like,
1: could have like hid that from him yeah. out of like a- protecting a child.
0: Sure, but like, when did it stop coming through? Like, there's, I, it's confusing how much power Ursa has in that relationship. If it's somewhere where she was like a normal woman and then just taken from her lover, from her life that she had established to, you know, marry into the Royal family. Like she would probably have next to no power in that situation. It's a question of like, did she consent to having the children that she had really? Um, and I'll go into this more um, in the Zuko and Azula episodes, but it's also like a question of like, can she stop Ozai? Like, if she does try to stop Ozai, what consequences does that mean for her and or for her kids? Like, he's an abuser. He knows how to hurt people.
2: So just, like, raised it's more questions than it did, like, answer
0: questions. Yeah. Like, where is Zuko's mom? Is a big question? And also... So she goes back home. There's, like, a spirit forest in the Fire Nation with the mother of faces who can give people new faces. Um, and completely erase your memories of your past in the process so she goes to find her old lover who did this and he's like you can do that too and then she does she gets a new face she forgets her old life including zuko and azula and uh that's it oh and also uh azula is coming along on this trip to find their mother and (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I saw I heard like a
0: synopsis of it and it was like uh-huh. and then uh their mom with her new face goes, "I'm sorry I didn't love you enough to continue to remember you." So oh. Says that to Azula's face. Like, <laughs> "Sorry I fucking <laughs> forgot who you are." is well,
4: it everything she feared in the first in the original series. That's like-
3: not only did I not love you, but I actually didn't love your brother either. Exactly!
0: So. Like, it's completely glossed over that that exact point applies to Zuko as well. It was
3: the worst choice.
0: I hate the comics.
3: Um, Hopefully <laughs> a cop-out. <laughs> okay, bye mom. Because
1: <laughs> Azula, being my favorite character, I wanted to hear more about her relationship with Ursa. And I liked that like one scene near the end where her mom is like, Boy, I did love you, you
0: It just... makes sense that Ursa would love Azula, but Azula was mm-hmm. forced to believe that Ursa did not buy Ozai because he's a manipulative prick.
1: Right, that's awesome. And I wanted to see that come to fruition.
3: Well, I mean, you have to have one strong child. Zuko failed, remember? <laughs> Smart mouth.
0: That's the thing that gets me. Zuko is strong as shit. This man can kick through chains, throw people across the rooms with no problem. Like, Zuko is really fucking strong for no reason. <laughs> oh, he has reason. He has the reason, <laughs> yes, he has. He, he's ha- he's I will not deny the fact that he does have the dark time reasons, uh, but yeah. Uh, and uh, do we have any closing thoughts on Toph? You're right, it's like we always want to away, <laughs> we gotta get back to Toph. <laughs> But, like, I don't know. I really love Toss character. I feel like even though I would have wanted more from her, I feel like there was more that could have been explored, like, interpersonally instead of, like, emphasizing so much of her as an individual. I really love the way that she was utilized in the series. And her skills were a really interesting addition to the world building of the show.
5: I feel like she's one of, like, the most consistently written characters, too, in the show. Mm, Absolutely. Like, even though sometimes they definitely write her out of character... There aren't as many moments where she's written out of character compared to a lot of the other characters, and for a main character, that's really hard to do in a TV show. So,
4: mm-hmm.
5: snaps for that. Mm-hmm. At least in the original series. In Legend of Korra, that's that's a whole different ball game. We don't too even have much to talk happened about in that. between
0: for us to make sense of that.
5: <laughs> right, and like we don't we don't even have to acknowledge that that's a thing right now. Like we have a whole episode where we're talking about Legend of Korra, so.
0: It, it really do just be like
5: that. We can ignore that for now.
0: <laughs> I just appreciated her skill
4: and her just raw ambition. And as a kid, like that was incredible to watch. And I always liked seeing people who could overcome different circumstances. So I feel like even now when I when I remember Toph, I just remember how fucking badass she is, like despite being like a, the most child, uh, the most youngest out of all the kids who were there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that she was, she started as a very powerful character and then got more powerful. Like she just went up and like became this powerhouse. And I think I also really, I really enjoyed what she brought to the dynamic and how like when she was training Aang like she was not afraid to push his buttons she wasn't afraid to like defy Katara she wasn't like she just kind of added she was like this breath of fresh air when she came in and so I really like her
1: I loved her abilities they're just it's just so dope. The idea of seismic sense and being able to sense where everything is. And like just that first scene where she's introduced and like everything slows down and she's detecting where everything is, like hyped me up so much as a kid. Honestly.
3: Mm-hmm. I just love that her personality wasn't based on anyone else. Like it wasn't like her personality and her attitudes really like drastically changed when like other people were there, like circumstances were different. Like, she stayed pretty consistent throughout the whole time. She's just like, I just am what I am, and I'm a bad bitch, and period. You can either fuss with me or you don't, but I'm here. (laughs) It be what it be. Mm -hmm.
5: And I like how even though she was kind of based on an archetype character that we've seen before, she does break away from that archetype at times. Like, yeah, she is presented as, like, a more masculine woman or a more masculine girl but she does break away from that archetype sometimes. And she is her own character. Like she doesn't fit that archetype com- archetype completely.
0: And that is the end of our show. Thank you so much for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember to take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Next time we'll be talking about the spectacular strategist and sarcastic icon, Sokka of the Southern Water Tribe. I hope to see you there.